Hello and welcome to the Venture Forth Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Mahavadivani. We'll be chatting with some of the most interesting founders, startups, and VCs about the experiences that led them to where they are today, what they're currently working on, as well as the journey ahead of them. Hey, VentureForth listeners. Today's episode is a little bit different. The vast majority of my past guests have been involved in Silicon Valley in some way, funding, building, and selling some of tech's greatest businesses. My guest today is not from the tech world. He is Peter Tang, managing partner of Goldlock Vodka, one of America's newest craft vodka brands. Goldlock Vodka may not be your typical tech startup story, but I want to share Peter's journey of hustle and perseverance in his journey to creating an iconic luxury liquor and how he attracted some of sports, hip-hop, and Hollywood's hottest as clients. He's also got one of my favorite Instagram accounts because he's always surrounded by beautiful cars, famous people, and an amazing lifestyle. Without further ado, I'm excited to welcome Peter Tang to the show. Hey, everybody. How are you? Thank you for having me, Joe. I really appreciate it. Uh, So I'd love to start by learning a little bit about your background because from what I know about Instagram, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, so most of my Instagram content that you'll see, I do have a full-time job. And, and, you know, I treat it as pretty much a business within a business. I, I work for uh, Eurocar. We're one of the largest exotic car dealers in um, pretty much almost the nation, I would say. But around town out here in Orange County, California, we're probably the biggest in town. So we have a lot of fun here. You know, we meet a lot of amazing people. And um, it's also led me to, you know, the opportunity to uh, work with Goldlock. So I'm I'm personally a huge car enthusiast, um, and so I have a couple of uh, questions before we get into to the gold lock piece. You know, so what is the most expensive rare car that you guys have had in in the collection? There's there's a couple cars on the market right now. I mean, you'll you'll see the stuff like the Bugattis and and you know the Baganis and the Koenigseggs and whatnot. I personally haven't sold any of those through here, but. We'll constantly have all the uh, pieces like the Ventadors and, you know, the the top of the line Ferraris, the Specialis, stuff like that. Our inventory, I guess, can range anywhere between, you know, 50000 60000 all the way up to close to around seven dollars to $800,000 as far as car values goes. Yeah, and it, I mean, it just depends if, if, if there's something that we feel that, that we can represent and offer, you know, through our brand, your, our Euro car brand is a really, really nice car. Um, I guess the latest car, I would say that sticks to my mind, maybe like a Porsche Carrera GT. I mean, that, that that's a beautiful car. So, yeah, I mean, if I was looking for something super rare and exotic, I, I think I know where to go. <laughs> Absolutely. appreciate it. <laughs> I think the thing I really wanted to talk to you about today was uh, about Goldlock Vodka, which uh, you're a managing partner for. Uh, what did you know mm-hmm. about the industry before getting involved in the company? And could you give us a little bit uh, of history and, and where the name came from, et cetera? Yeah, sure. So Gold uh, Goldlock Vodka, well, as, as far as what I knew about the industry, I knew absolutely nothing other than the consumer side because I'm a consumer and I drink a lot of alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, I just saw the potential. I mean, during this time, you're seeing so many brands grow, especially new brands, you know, such as Ciroc, Tito's. And there's a lot of new emerging brands out on the marketplace right now that are doing really well. 
about five years ago, there was a brand called Casamigos that was launched by George Clooney and a partner of his. And now I think recently they sold five years later for a billion dollars. So, you know, that's that, that's not a bad endeavor, huh? Not not at all. Uh, so then what about Goldlock? Well, with Goldlock, um, the reason why I got involved was I felt like it was very different from what was out there, your traditional vodkas, you know, the, the, the bottle and the presentation and um, the actual content of the alcohol is absolutely amazing, you know, and I, I wanted to, to share this with everybody and, and find a way to truly build this as a, a lifestyle brand. You know, and, and we just had to make sure that we had to protect it and go about it the right way and just not get it out there and, and, and represent it in the wrong way. You know, so this is something that we know is very, very special. We've showed plenty of people that are involved in this industry. I mean, this is a very big industry and it's a, you know, it's, it's been around a very long time. A lot of the big players in this industry have a lot of money and, and they'll, you know, they'll slap you around with it if they get the chance. But, there's there's a lot of the liquor companies date back hundreds and hundreds of years so they've been around a long time and we just entered the market it's about two years or so um so so it's 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 still a brand new company but you know it's um it's slowly growing and right now you know it's 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 doing pretty well we're in vietnam uh vietnam's one of our our big markets because um you know the founder of the company his name is lock nguyen hence you know gold lock but the LOK is supposed to stand for life and knowledge because that, that's, that's what he believes in. He believes in you know, the, uh, the pursuit of, of, of knowledge. And there's a little bit more behind the brand and, and what we're about than um, you know, just the, uh, the, gold bot- the, the gold pretty bottle. Interesting. I had no idea that it was initially started by a, a Vietnamese founder. So th- was this a brand that your team created or was this uh, imported from another country, uh, like from Vietnam? Where, where is the origin of the vodka? Uh, I could tell you a little bit about Locke's story. So Locke, you know, he's one of my mentors, his family to me. And basically, he's been in the nightlife industry. He's like one of the big names in the nightlife industry, nightclubs, started off as a promoter, you know, just straight hustle, you know, I'm... I mean, he's 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 the definition of the hardworking American dream. So started li- started in the nightlife industry and and started to see what people were drinking and what was being ordered the most, you know, and 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 everyone's ordering the Grey Goose bottles because vodka is really easy to drink and everyone loves it, you know. And he also started to see what uh, as far as what what people like to order that were the big spenders, you know, and and Ace of Spades was huge. You know, anything with gold and it was huge. So we thought, hey, why don't we combine the two? Why don't we, or he thought, why, why doesn't he combine the two and um, come out with a really great tasting vodka that has a very presentable bottle and you get the best of both worlds. You get a premium vodka, you get a you get a nice flashy bottle in the nightclub. When people bring it out, they're always looking at it like, hey, what bottle is that? You know, and um, that's how we feel like the uh, success is starting to kind of fruition interesting so you mentioned uh that gold lock was a, a unique flavor and a unique brand there's tons of super premium vodkas out there so what makes gold lock unique yeah you know there's there's so many different brands thousands and thousands of brands of vodka 
right? But what I feel is unique with Goldlock and how I think we're going to be able to compete with the rest of the shelf space, you know, next to the Grey Gooses and Tito's and the Ciroc's is that we're 100% organic. You know, it's it's distilled from sugarcane, so it's not your traditional potatoes and wheat distillation process. So sugarcane gives it a little bit of a, a natural sweetness to it. And um, yeah, so we're, we're able to, to have that organic certification. So it's, you know, a healthier solution, I think, you know, to, to consuming alcohol. Interesting. So has Goldlock been through blind preference tests with other vodkas? We have, we have, and you know we've 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 done blind test taste testing, you know, just just within you know small little focus groups and amongst friends and family, nothing really on record or anything. But we're always up there. there to be honest, um, there's a lot of great tasting vodkas out there. Ciroc's a great tasting vodka. Tito's is is phenomenal, you know. But Goldlock, when we when we put them in the mix and blind taste testing. You know, we, we're, we're split probably 50-50 between Tito's and, and us. It just comes down to personal preference on, on, on someone's taste buds. But ours is really smooth when you mix it, you know, with other, uh, like, you know, w- w- when you make cocktails out of it, you could barely really taste the alcohol. You know, I, I, I definitely, definitely need to send you some bottles. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I, I, I can't say no to that. So I want to talk a little bit about branding and marketing because those are things that you touched on and obviously super important when you're either at the club and they're bringing you the bottle and and really conveying like the lifestyle that you want to be associated with. When I was in high school, my friends collected absolute ads. Uh, you know, they would dress up the bottles and, yeah. and have very unique ads. And obviously, like they were too young to to drink it at the time. Uh, and I first heard about things like Cristal in in rap videos and Avion in uh, in the show Entourage. And so, brand mm-hmm. it seems to be a huge contributor for whether a liquor penetrates the mainstream. So, how much of the liquor business is marketing, and how much of it is in fact a superior product? It's all marketing. Everything is marketing nowadays. I mean, as long as people see it, I've gone through this journey with. I don't. I don't have a marketing background. You know, I don't. I didn't even go to college. Um, so everything is for me is all just straight school of hard knocks out on the street, learning day by day, learning from the best. Um, you know, and and I'm blessed to have the opportunity to learn from so many different entrepreneurs and guys that are phenomenal at marketing and building content. We've we've been able to do this with, you know, a very very small budget, and um, the great thing about what we've done, if you go on our social media and you know you type in the Goldlock hashtag, you'll see just so much organic engagement with people just going out there and posting the bottle because it's it's a very very nice looking bottle, you know, and and within a year. You know, I've looked at other brands and not to compare our, us with them, but as far as, you know, social media engagement, we're blowing a lot of brands that have been out for only two years out of the water as far as, you know, organic posts that are that are happening, you know, with with um, our loyal consumers and, and brand supporters on, you know, platforms like Instagram and Facebook. Interesting. So uh, is that part of the a major part of the marketing strategy to bringing the product to the general marketplace? And, and ultimately, who is your target market that you're trying to get it to? Our target market really, you know, the, the, these are always things that are always going to constantly change and we have to adapt to. So as as this is growing, because I didn't I never did this before. Right. So I, I went into this blind and 
everyone assumes that this is very simple and it's very easy, but until you get into it and until you actually put in the work, it's, it's quite challenging because you have to, we have to see how certain demographics react to our product. We see what demographics we feel will do well with our product, you know, and we also have to protect ourselves from making sure that we represent our brand the way that it's intended to be represented. And for us, we want people to feel good, you know, when when they have the bottles in their hands. We want people to feel great about showcasing the product uh, or having the bottle on display, you know, in their homes. When people walk into their homes, they're going to be like, oh, wow, what bottle is this? And and that happens all the time. People pick it up. They're like, wow, this is amazing. Every event we do, they look at, they, they, they always grab the bottle and like, this is a beautiful bottle. You know, and when they try that, when they actually try the try the alcohol, they're like, wow, this is absolutely amazing. You know, and, and right now it just really comes down to, you know, the the, the politics of uh, the the liquor business itself. It's, it's you know, that's that's a whole nother subject and, and, and challenge that we can touch on. But I want the people to understand what the brand is about and building a lifestyle of just living gold, you know, and living gold can mean a lot to different people. It's just how, how our product speaks and how this product makes you feel. And it can touch any demographic. It can touch any, you know, the, the younger generation, um, you know, like the, the millennials where they like the flashy bottles or it could touch the uh, older demographics where they like the classiness of the actual bottle itself, you know, and so, so we're, 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 um, we're able to touch on, on, on different markets, I guess you can say, or as far as our marketing goes, we're, we're really trying to figure out what the best avenue is to take. And that's why we've been a little quiet lately <laughs> on social media, but not because we haven't really been focused on pushing the brand. We've just really trying to find out how we're going to align properly and strategically who we choose to align it with. So, I mean, we've been speaking a lot about bottle, but uh, I'd like to paint sort of a picture of um, uh, what that lifestyle is like. So the bottle itself is, you know, completely gold and Frankly, it kind of reminds me of like a like a champagne bottle, something you might drink uh, as a celebratory cocktail. Uh, although, like looking like a champagne bottle, I might pour myself a tall flute of it, but but that's not how how it's meant to be drank. You know, really want to help the listeners understand what the bottle looks like and and how special it really is. I, I'm guessing that uh, Goldlock is priced comparably to its target competition. So ultimately, how do you get people to order a Goldlock and Tonic versus something else? Well, I mean, that just comes down to the brand awareness, really. You know, and we're a California-based company. We're we're also out in Las Vegas right now, so we we try to hit the two biggest markets first locally: um, Los Angeles and Las Vegas. Las Vegas, there's a little bit of a challenge. All the locals in in, in Vegas know Goldlock's a great vodka. Um, we are we are on the strip, but the politics of of alcohol, you know, especially a new liquor brand and traffic in Vegas is coming from everywhere around the world. So our exposure is primarily, I guess you can say, our foothold is California. Um, and Las Vegas, we're doing really well with off-premise locations, which is which means um, you know like places that don't serve alcohol on-premise. You got to go in there and you buy it, 
and um, you take it to you know your hotel room or wherever you choose to consume it. But so you like don't a liquor consume- store. Like a liquor store, you know, a liquor store or, you know, a place like Total Wine. We're also in Total Wine at, at um, in, in Las Vegas. That's one of our test stores that we launched in. But they're doing well. You know, people walk in, they're like, oh, what is this? Wow, it's gold bottle. Oh, wow, it's comparable with, um, you know, your your premium Grey Goose and Ciroc bottles. So they're, they're willing to take a shot on it. And every single person that that has tried it, you know, it's been awesome. You know, the other day there was this, uh, this thing that happened in, inside one of the casinos. I was walking around and I had a gold lock hat on, right? And one of the pit bosses at one of the tables says, yells out, gold lock, gold lock vodka, right? And I walk up to him and he's like, man, I love that vodka. This is my f- new favorite vodka. My daughter showed this to me on Instagram. <laughs> we go buy it. And this is this is amazing. You guys' stuff is great, and, and you know stuff like that makes me feel so good. You know, just to get stopped in the middle of a casino floor and have the have have a pit boss call you over and say, "Hey, this is great stuff." You know, and everyone's looking at me like, "What is Goldlock?" <laughs> and so that's that's when I know that we we really really have something special. You mentioned politics a few times in the liquor industry. What do you mean by that? So, you know what? So this is what I learned, okay? As I started to get into, get a little bit more involved with the liquor business, you have all your major players, right? And all your major players, um, companies like um, LVMH, you know, uh, Louis Vuitton, Moet, Hennessy, they have a big um, portfolio of different brands that they own. Also, there's a company by the name of Diageo. They have a, a very, they own the majority of the large brands that most consumers drink. So these companies, I mean, they're worth billions and billions of dollars. These are the type of companies that go out and buy the, the Casamigos, the ones that just sold for a billion dollars, you know, George Clooney's brand. They're the heavy hitters. So the politics of this is they deal directly with a lot of the large distribution companies because our margins in alcohol are actually very, very, very slim, right? The money and at least the profits where you start to make money is when you land distribution deals. In order to land a distribution deal, you have to get within, you know, you, you have to prove your sales, of course, right? And there has to be a big enough demand for your alcohol in order for a distribution company to pick it up. So you're in a catch-22 now. How do you grow your brand? How do you get it out there? And how do you distribute the product without a distribution company, right? And with that comes self-distribution. Now, to deal with self-distribution is you're going door-to-door trying to set up a meeting with every single bar owner and every single club owner or wherever they, they serve alcohol or wherever they purchase alcohol, like stores like BevMo. You know, um, those are the larger chains. But you try to start with the boutiques, like you, you try to start with all the liquor stores, you try to start with um, a lot of the smaller chains, you know, and they are approached every single day by all kinds of different alcohol brands, right? And, you know, the challenge with that is, is that they get approached every single day with all these new brands, right? Even though that, you know, like for me, I believe in the product. I know it's an amazing product. It, it looks great. It tastes great. I, I know the quality of the product we have. It's just getting these people to really take a chance on it. And we've been fairly successful with, you know, the places that, that we have gotten into. But at the same time, you know, there's still 
so much ground to cover, you know, and you got to do this on the day to day. And remember, there's no mar- there's no profit margin going in and spending all this time trying to get a liquor store to carry your brand. You know, I mean, the gas and, and time alone, and you can spend all day doing that. And, and you also do get a lot of people that are going to say no. So you can only imagine how much running around and how much work you have to do and, and into building a, and a liquor brand that's not direct to consumer. This is this, there's a lot of layers to this. You have to, you know, you have to go through the, the, the right outlets in order to get your products on shelves and you're going to have to wholesale it. And they're not taking bulk orders. They're only taking maybe a case or two at a time, which in reality, you're not making, you know, you can't, you, you can't pay bills by just selling a case or two at a time. So there's a lot of losses that you incur, you know, in, in, in the first couple of years of building this brand. And, and it also takes a lot of time. Interesting. Uh, so I recently listened to another podcast with Jim Coke, founder of Sam Adams, Boston Logger, and he also described a, a similar challenge with, you know, literally going door to door, selling a case or two at a time to every single bar in town. And so it seems like that might be part of the hustle that's required to, to get it on that, that shelf space. It sounds like that's something that you're sort of taking on and, and getting to know a lot of people across the country as you try to get your vodka in stores. Absolutely. You know, and, and you know, the great thing is that we have a lot of support. We have a really big team. We, we have a little bit of an advantage because, um, you know, Locke, he's in the nightlife industry. So we're able to place it in a lot of the venues that he owns or that he has affiliations with, um, which is why we're doing so well in Vietnam right now, because he's from Vietnam and, um, you know, he has some great relationships in Vietnam and, and they're really supporting the brand. So if you ever get the chance, you know, and you um, say go on Instagram and just browse, you know, gold lock hashtags and whatnot, you'll see a lot of it in Vietnam. And, and um, it's only been a year since then, you know, and and just to kind of give a reference to some other brands and some other successful brands that have started, you know, from absolutely nothing, Tito's. I admire everything that Tito's has done, how true they've stayed as a brand and what he did through this process. I mean, he made the he made the vodka himself, like literally made the vodka, distilled the vodka himself out in Texas and went door to door, did, you know, was always at bars having people try his alcohol. And it took him a good 10 years to be an overnight success. But it sounds like from uh, your description of the politics piece of it that there is an element of pay to play where given enough money, you you could get it into every hot club in Vegas and you know, get famous people to endorse it and, and that sort of thing. Of course, of course. Well, this is how I look at it, right? There are, you know, without really getting into details of, of the amount of money that a lot of these companies do pay, like out in Las Vegas, if you go into a lot, like some of the hottest Las Vegas nightclubs, you see a lot of ads. You see a lot of mm. um, material for a lot of different brands just posted everywhere. You got bottle service. You got the buckets with, with logos on them. You, at the bar, you'll see logos all over the bar tops. That all costs a lot of money. 
right? So for us as a boutique brand and for us not having that type of, you know, marketing budget as these companies do, it's like, what do you do? How do, what do we do on our end to really maximize our exposure without having to spend that kind of money, you know? And, and, and like I said, we've had a lot of support and a great team that has helped us grow this organically and have put this on online, um, you know, through Instagram and amassed probably over about 15 to 16,000 organic posts, you know, individual posts of just everyday people um, posting about the bottle, you know, through the course of a year to two years. And I mean, I see a lot of, I, I, you know, not to name, not to name some liquor brands, but I see some brands that are doing fairly well um, that are in, you know, places like, you know, your, your Bevmos and your Total Wines that if you go on their social media and you really look into, you know, how they present the brand, they don't really have that much engagement, but yet, you know, they're selling. So at this point, you know, we're just we're just waiting for for, for the right opportunity where someone's going to come in and say, hey, we, 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 we want to carry this, you know, and, and I know that's going to happen soon. It's it's inevitable because of the amount of exposure that we have on Instagram. We just got to find the right people to do business with. How did you attract your famous clientele? I, I know that you men- mentioned Instagram a number of times, and, and when I look at your Instagram, you've got like so many people, uh, you know, promoting and and taking part in your brand. How did you attract those folks? Well, you know, I have I have a great platform, and this is this is how a little bit about how this all came about uh, within my journey. I guess we can go back about, you know, four or five years, about five years ago is I was blessed with an opportunity to be a part of this amazing company over here that I'm at right now um, at Eurocar, um, this, this this exotic car dealership. We're probably, like I said, we're probably one of the largest in the nation um, doing business all across the United States and sometimes overseas. And through this journey, I've been able to just meet so many amazing people. You know, the the people that are coming in to buy these cars, they're not your everyday people. You got a lot of entrepreneurs. You know, I've done some deals with some very influential people at, that have amazing relationships. And, you know, I've been able to get involved with and, and be introduced to the relationships that they have and, you know, just just take care of people, you know, and um, it's just grew from there through the business that I conduct on a day to day basis. I'm able to kind of pivot it with and include what I do with also all this, you know, with 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 the vodka. And yeah, it just all kind of ties into um, you know, my lifestyle and my passions. You know, it, it also helps me build this brand. So as you continue to grow, what will Goldlock need to do to expand and and become a billion dollar business? That's the that that's a really good question, right? Because as this business grows, so do I. So ta- we, we you know we have to set those targets. We have to say, okay, what do we need to do to make this a million dollars in revenue? What do we have to do to two million? How am I going to grow with this brand? And until we get there, you know, that's that's what uh, that's what that's what uh, I'm going to have to find out. So from what I could say right now, for this to be a billion dollar company. I mean, you know, I get all kinds of suggestions. Everyone's always saying you need to align with a celebrity. You need this person to endorse it. You need this. You need that. A billion dollar company takes a lot of time. You know, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of failures and it takes a little bit of luck. It takes takes, you know, being at the right place at the right time, you know, and, and slowly growing. But 
Um, for this to be a billion dollar company, we have to get it in every single state. Um, just just the U.S. alone, I, I mean, I feel can can make us a billion dollar company. But our goal really is, um, you know, to to really get it out to, to Asia. You know, Asia, there's a huge market in Asia, you know, and, and building the brand and building, you know, all the content and the lifestyle and, and, and what this brand is about out here. And bringing it out to Asia and having them see it and having having all of Asia understand what we're about and, and, and really embracing this brand, I feel is also going to help it really attain, you know, a billion dollars fairly quickly. But we'll take <laughs> we'll, we'll take the first step and, and uh, shoot for the, the hundred million for now. I think we're OK for that. <laughs> <laughs> so for entrepreneurs who want to develop a food or beverage product, what's been the biggest lesson that you've learned so far from building Goldlock that you could pass on to them? Wow. You know, the, the big, the biggest lesson, I mean, there's so many lessons really. Um, one is just really being prepared, finding out or, or, or really doing the research on what your competition is and finding value in your product and, and not just launching a brand just to launch it. Launch a brand that I, I feel that really can – how do you feel that you can disrupt the market? What, what separates yourself from the biggest brands that you feel like you want to compete with? You know, and, and, find, and find your advantage. Find your niche. And um, be realistic with, with what you – you know, the, the steps that you have to take. You know, of course, the end goal is always to have this worldwide. But starting, you know, you, you have to be ready to really put in the work and sacrifice and pretty much suffer <laughs> in the beginning and take those no's and those punches and and keep getting hit and, and knocked down and, and, and expect that. Like, that's part of what this is about. You know, and you can't let that bother you a lot of people will will be like man i have a billion dollar idea this is the best thing in the world i know this is going to kill it and you know they'll approach a couple people with it and, and they'll get their, their they'll get their nose and they get uh they, they, they pretty much just get turned 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 down from it cool thank you so much for sharing your gold lock story uh, i'd like to move on to our quick fire round and basically i say a statement and uh would love to hear your uh, immediate response so let's start off with what is your favorite book? I can say my favorite book right now is one I recently read, Phil Knight's uh, Shoe, Shoe Dog. That book was absolutely amazing. It's taught me a lot about what he went through as far as building uh, you know, his, uh, his Nike brand. And um, it really gave me a, you know, a huge sense of hope you know, moving forward with, with Goldlock Vodka. So that was probably the most inspiring book that I've read and I can say that's my favorite at the moment. So speaking of Goldlock, what is your favorite Goldlock cocktail? My favorite Goldlock cocktail. There's so many that people have made for me and I don't even remember the names <laughs> of them. You know, but I'm fairly simple and I I I I drink Goldlock all the time, but um I would say just a simple, you know, Goldlock pineapple for me is is goes down very well. I don't get headaches, you know. Um, I don't wake up in the morning and feel like I'm going to die, you know, at, at <laughs> and I can drink it all night, you know, and have a really good time. So, yeah, pineapple gold lock. What do you collect, if anything, and why? I really like sunglasses. I, I have I have a pretty 
my sunglass collection and i think that's due to one of the owners here his name is larry sands he's a legend in the um eyewear luxury eyewear space he you know he was one of the founders of uh or he was the founder of a chrome hearts uh eyewear he's launched one of the largest luxury eyewear brands shambhala eyewear and now he has a new line called parody and 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 he's one of the owners here at eurocar so I have actually now started to really collect all kinds of different sunglasses because he's here and he influences me to, he always tells me, he's like, you need, you need more than one pair. So now I'm <laughs> sitting on like 15 pairs of sunglasses. <laughs> What's one thing you spend way too much money on that you don't regret? That I don't regret cars all oh, the time. What, what are you, uh, what's your daily driver? My daily driver right now, I'm in a Maserati Gran Turismo. Um, but yeah, that's the only car that I have right now that I daily drive, and I love it. I love Italian cars. Interesting. Okay. Uh, so if you could drive any car, money and availability, no object, what would it be? Any car and money? Man, I have so many. I have so many. Um, Money's no object, huh? I, I, I would say I'd love to drive around a La Ferrari. But my favorite car at the moment that I feel like I'm going to have, I'm, I'm setting a goal for right now that I want to get, um, I really, really love the Ferrari 458. That is such an amazing car. Ferrari did such an amazing amazing job with that. I mean, um, compared to its uh, predecessors, you know, it's... Um, you had the Ferrari 360, you know, and then the 430 came out. And then light years ahead as far as technology and just build and performance, you have the 458. And there's such a huge gap between the 430 and the 458 in terms of the car and the technology itself. And I feel like it was a great benchmark car. Um, that Ferrari came out and, and, and it's really iconic to me. And I literally sit in one every single day just to motivate myself and do my job. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your dream job when you were a kid? My dream job? Well, you know, growing up, um, I've always been into cars, right? But I grew up actually playing golf at a very young age. During the time, I was about 10 years old when I started playing golf. This is like back in 96, 97. Tiger Woods was the man, right? Like he inspired a whole generation to come out and play golf. So I played golf pretty much my entire youth and I played competitively. And um, I always wanted to be a professional golfer. But at that time... You know, I, I, I didn't really have the grasp of what success really took. You know, there's dreams and there's the work ethic and drive to make dreams a reality. And as a, and, you know, in my, in my youth, in my childhood, I had the dream, but I didn't have the work ethic because I didn't understand it. You know, I was great. I was a great golfer. I was really, really good, but hard work will always, always, you know, beat talent, you know, and I had talent. I just didn't have the work ethic at that time, you know, and um, it was pretty much too late by the time I decided to say, hey, you know what, this is what I, 
let me let me try to give it another shot. I gave it another run at it, you know, in my early twenties. Um, while I'm, you know, I'm still fairly, I just turned 30, but, um, in my early, early twenties, I, I tried to give it another run and, um, I, I just didn't have it, you know? So my dream, dream job was to turn pro, but, um, I was always into cars. So I said, you know what, let me give it a shot and go sell some cars. And I've made a career out of, out of, uh, being in the car business. Awesome. And, and last car question, I promise is electric <laughs> the way of the future? It seems like it's heading that way, but for me, what I see is Ferrari really coming out and, or all the big brands coming out and and and, and really mirroring what Tesla is going to do. But Tesla, they're gonna they're gonna put their spin on it. They're gonna t- share the technology, but they're gonna put their spin on it. Um, you know, to 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 keep the to keep their brand as close to what they represent as possible. Tesla's amazing. Electric electric cars that's the, the what 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 Elon Musk is doing is amazing, but as far as enthusiasts goes, um, people are still going to want to hear the sound of a Ferrari engine. <laughs> They do sound amazing. Uh, so we're right at the uh, point in the podcast where I give the platform to you. You have the opportunity to plug anything that you like. You know, I I appreciate you know the the time that we spent over here and letting you letting me share this story and this journey that I've been on. I'd like to thank everyone on my team that has supported me and all my friends that have supported me. You know, through like. The roughest times of my life, because um, when when I did launch when we did launch Goldlock, you know, I had I, I had to go through a really difficult time to to get this going, you know. So I took a year off and um, to to go out and and you know pursue this endeavor. I'm now back at Eurocar, so whoever is in the market for an exotic car, please look me up. My Instagram is I am Peter Tang. And um, you can see all the cars that we sell. And, you know, I'm definitely here to take care of that for you. Awesome. Well, Peter, thank you so much for joining us on the VentureForth podcast and sharing your story today. I'm really excited to see Goldlock continue to grow and become a huge hit. And I'm going to make it a point to ask for mm-hmm. Goldlock and Soda the next time I hit the clubs in Vegas. Again, thank you so much for your time today. And uh, thank you for sharing your story. No problem, Joe. Thank you for having me. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe to the VentureForth podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. You can also follow at VentureForthPod on Twitter for our latest updates. As always, I'm your host, Joe Mahavutivani, and thank you for listening to the VentureForth podcast.